right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Sal here. Got a fun interview coming up shortly with our guy, Roger Steele. Uh, if you're not familiar with Roger, we get into the, his whole background, but he is uh, a popular figure on social media, an up-and-coming golf content creator uh, in a lot of different ways, makes some fun videos on social. He's he's popping up all over the place. He does He's done live TV in the past year. We talk about all that. Uh, so we, we've gotten to know him a little bit behind the scenes and have been you know efforting to have him on the podcast, and we, we were able to finally make it happen. We need to get him out on the golf course and make some content with him, which we, we talk about as well. Usually our friends at Callaway are going to have a spot right here, but we actually talk about a lot of Callaway stuff. They were happy to cede their time, and this was my idea. This was not their idea to plan a bunch of conversation about Range Talk, which is the show that Roger hosts uh, on the Callaway Golf YouTube channel. It's fantastic, and uh, we talk about a lot of that. And so they're ceding their ad time in exchange for that, which was my idea, because I think both you guys are going to love that part of the conversation, and they will as well. Also want to give a shout-out to our friends at Gooder. You have heard me talk about these sunglasses that spell G-O-O-D-R. I still, if any product I've ever used in my entire life, I've never been more confused as a why as to why it is priced the way that it is. It's 100% polarized sunglasses that are somehow only $25. Every time I get a chance to tell this story, I do. They send us pairs for free, and I kind of needed to re-up a little bit. I, I Everybody loses sunglasses, right? I hate losing a $160 pair of sunglasses, yet I'll go onto their website, buy three or four of them, use a discount code, whatever that might be, and get oh, three or four pairs of sunglasses for under $100. It's incredible. They got so many great styles. A ginger sole, $9 pour-over donkey goggles. I can't say enough great things. They're fun. They're affordable. They're 100% polarized. I see them popping up everywhere. Everyone I see wearing them, I ask how they like them, and they are, again, always stunned at how affordable they are. They make great stocking stuffers. You can go to gooder.com, code NLU for free shipping. That's, again, gooder.com slash NLU, code NLU to get free shipping on your Gooder sunglasses, G-O-O-D-R.com. Without any further delay, here is Roger Steele. All right, if somebody is a listener to this podcast, maybe has no idea, has never seen the name Roger Steele, first of all, that's an that's a indictment of us, not of you. Uh, let me just get that out of the way first and foremost. But if someone has no idea who, who Roger Steele is, can, what's, the, what's the Cliff Notes version, what's the long version, whatever you want to tell it, who the hell are you? Man, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a golf content creator, dog. And, you know, I, I, I hate to use the word influencer. That's what everybody try to steer you to is, is the word influencer. I but know. I don't really resonate with that because that makes it seem too transition or too transactional. My orientation is, you know, how do we tell stories, relate to people through stories and have conversations back and forth across these social media platforms so we could all get to know each other a little bit better, man. So I just I just create content to help me meet people and, and, and see more of the world, baby. That's just keeping it simple. It, it's a it's an Instagram feed that brings a smile to my face every single day. So I'm, I'm thrilled to finally get a chance to uh, to be a part of that golf content creation with you. But what we're going to do, we're going to talk about a whole lot of different things, but you got to tell us what you just were doing like a couple hours ago when I couldn't get a hold of you a couple hours ago and couldn't figure out why. It turns out there was a great reason. Tell me about the day you had. Man, I just, I just had, first of all, I've been on an amazing stretch up here in Monterey, dog. Like it's been, I've been playing some epic golf. I went to, uh, 
I went to Spanish Bay, Spyglass. Obviously, didn't play three holes at Pebble because they had the worst storm, I think, in the last, you know, 100 years or something like that. 100-year event at Pebble today. I get out there. Then we play NPCC, and then today I play Cypress, dog. How was that? You got the good weather for that one. It is, it, bro. It was perfect weather. And just to go through all of that, you know, all of that other golf and then to get to Cypress, because normally, like, I don't even get to play that much golf no more. So I'm borderline burnt out. You know what I mean? Like I play golf, I play golf four days in a row, and I'm like, yeah, it's 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 hard to get me excited. But Cypress, dog, I feel like a teenager out there, man. Like God, that was crazy. Is it meet the hype, exceed the hype? I mean, yes, give us, first, I've never been there. Take me there. Yes, What's it like, bro? Yes, bro. Met, exceeded, over delivered. It was crazy. Like you know what? It's crazy. You know, you know, for me being, uh, you know, a huge Masters fan. Uh, and I got to go to Augusta for the first time this past year and see that course. And like, I was like, man, I cannot wait to play this course. But then we went to this fireside chat and George W. Bush was there. Right. And so, you know, he doing this, this fireside chat, people asking him questions. They asked, you know, we in Augusta, what's your favorite course? Cypress. I'm like, bro, it's like, it gotta be like, it gotta be like at least 20 Augusta members in this audience. <laughs> he likes Cypress. And then the, the moderator was like, bro, you don't, there's no other course that you think would, like, no, it's Cypress. <laughs> hey, so, hey, so once he dropped that, I was like, oh, yeah, so it must it must be something if you're willing to piss off these uh, rich and powerful people uh, in my presence. You know, it, I, it must be up there. They can't be but, too pissed off. They're probably Cypress members, too. You know, the way like, that works, yeah. like, it, it's they're probably Cypress members, too. They probably weren't like, too upset. I like, well, he he has a point. He has a point. You know what <laughs> <laughs> But, man, it was just, I mean, start to finish, man, the routing. I mean, like, you get, you know, you get these inland dunes. You get this, like, forest experience where it's a bunch of trees. You get these, the most insane ocean views I've ever seen. Like, the way that the golf course interacts with the ocean and the cliffs, bro, it's like. And it's and you looking at this land, like, this is probably some of the most precious land on this coast, you know, just from the accessibility to it, like the things that they could do there from a, you know, from a tourist perspective or whatever the case, I would pay, like, I would pay three to four figures on a day to go out there and do stuff. You know what I mean? It just, just that piece of property by itself. Like on just the rent, I would like just to go out there and hang out. I'm like, yeah, you could put a big price tag on that. And I no golf, no, I would go out there. And they turned that into a golf course. And it's just amazing when you standing right there, like the audacity of the architects to build a golf course right there. It's like crazy. Like, no, that's, that's going to be a golf course. They're like, you sure? Like, yeah, we can do it. I think we can make this work. You know what I mean? This and time, this day, this day and age, it would not happen. There's, there's no yeah. chance, but luckily there's places that are safely preserved. What'd you do on 16? I mean, we're not going to talk about Cypress the whole time, but we got to know nah. what you did on 16. So 16, I'm, I'm trying to debate how truthful to be with you. I mean, so 16, I mean, we played, we tipped it out first of all. So we tipped it out. So this is playing about 235, 240 into a hurt cross wind. Uh, and I, I pumped the forearm to the back right fringe. And, like, it was crazy because these people from USGA was out there. They're getting ready for the Walker Cup in 25. They're out there scouting and stuff. They're looking around like, oh, what's somebody at the green from back there? Oh, what's up? You know what I mean? <laughs> hey. And so then for the first time in my life, dog, with all these people watching, I mean, I had about a 60-foot putt off the fringe to a front pin, and I didn't three-putt it, dog. And that just that made me feel so accomplished, bro. 
So yeah, so like a you know, it's just a, it's a, a beat foreign and you know, nice little professional looking two putt. I love know? how you got it. You 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 start it with I got to figure out how honest I want to be. And then you say you hit a two thirty five four iron into the wind. Which listen for the listeners' sake, I do need to testify. Like I've seen your ball speeds. This this man hits the golf ball hard. And so, give us an idea, kind of way, what your golf background is like. Like when did you start playing the game? How did you? How did you end up? You swing it in the one thirties for those that don't know, and uh, you hit you hit it damn hard. And I've seen some swings of yours on some of your Instagram videos from way back in the day. Uh, you playing growing up? So take us. So what's what's your golf story? I'm from the west side of Chicago, and my dad is a retired Chicago police officer. And so growing up in the city, I'm I'm obviously growing up during the Jordan era, and basketball is all I wanted to do. But my dad had gravitated towards golf because a lot of his buddies on the department were playing. And it was a combination of him falling in love with the game and him seeing what was happening with the Chicago youth. And he was just like, man, you know, I'm an only child. My son needs to be around this game because I know I can keep him safe. The Fortunately for me, the neighborhood that we grew up in, it had a little Muni whole course that was, you know, city owned. And he had good relationships there. And a lot of his friends hung out there. And he knew if he brought me there on any given day, uh, it would be people there to, you know, watch me, make sure I didn't get in, into any trouble and stuff like that. And so, you know, my earlier now, I'm talking about like, you know, probably being like five or six years old. Remember my earliest memories being out there with him and his friends. But, you know, I I didn't really resonate with the game of golf as a kid, you know, because there were so many other things that I wanted to do. Uh, but my dad had reconciled that, you know, this is just the best place for my son. And so he made sure that I spent time. You know, and even like, you know, I didn't want to play golf, but he like, all right, well, shit, you're going to go get us beers then. Or, you know, you're going to like you you spending time here. You're doing something. You know what I mean? And so I don't like to say that I was forced around the game as a kid, but my dad just saw the value in that environment. And quite naturally, you know, I played uh, at a certain level to appease him, but I was never really that, you know, never really that good at it, you know. Um, but I, you know, I played a little bit in high school. And then once high school was over, man, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to college. Like, I never had to touch a golf club again. I felt relieved that I would never have to touch a golf club again. You know what I mean? That was a part of my past. I went to college. Nobody I went to school with knew I played golf. I didn't talk about it to nobody. It was just like, yo, you know, it was just this thing, you know. And so, um, and I go to U of I. I major in civil engineering. I get my first job and then I quickly realized that I hate engineering more than I hate golf. You know what I mean? And so, and so, so look, so then I get off probation and then my, uh, so I passed my little, you know, I think it was like a one year probation or whatever the case. So I get this company email that, yo, we got a, a client out and anybody that knows how to play golf, you get a paid day off, you go play in this little client out and blah, 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 blah. I send them a couple months or something like that. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, free time off. Like, yeah, I know how to play golf, you know? And really, like, it was an effort for me to escape how much I hated my life working as an engineer. I was just running to, you know, I was rebounding with golf a little bit. But what I noticed is, man, like, in the process of getting ready for this outing, you know, I went back home. I got my high school golf clubs. You know, I started going to the range on my own. And and then I started meeting people at the driving range. And we now I'm an adult and we have an adult conversations. Like, what do they do with life? You know, what you know, what what are they working on with their swing? Like, oh, you got kids. Oh, what you doing this week? It was just like we have an adult conversation. And I'm like, man, this is a very chill environment to to meet people. 
And so then, you know, I start, you know, learning how to strike the ball. My body, I got a lot stronger in college and stuff like that. I'm, I'm compressing the ball a bit better than I can remember. And I was like, man, maybe I should take a lesson. You know what I mean? And because I got like a month before this outing, I take a lesson. He like, man, you got a good move. He explained some things to me. And I guess because of the engineering background, like the physics of what he was explaining to me made a lot more sense. And I was like, oh, man, the swing make a little bit more sense now. And so then I go to this outing, dog, and, like, as an engineer, I'm in this environment where all of these, you know, project managers and, you know, the exact leadership in, in the office, like, none of them pay me attention. None of them even know I exist. And I play in this one golf outing, and, like, I catch a couple drives, like, solid. And, I mean, the looks on these dudes' faces is, like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like they just – like they just discovered, you know, like you, do you know what you just did? I'm like, yeah, man, I hit up this shot. Like, no, 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 no. You, you, like you just hit the ball like this. You just did it. And so like seeing that excitement and then we get back in and telling everybody about it. The next day I go back to the office, bro. And it's like, everybody asking who Roger is now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, man, I, this is, I just unlocked like a, a corporate cheat code or something. You know what I mean? And so it was a combination of like organic, it was a combination of organic experiences that brought me closer to the game. But then I also saw how I was received, like, in these professional settings. And then from there, I just, like, it, it became a very all-consuming, you know, love that I had for the sport at that juncture. And I was probably, like, 25, like, 24, 25 at that point. But it was just after work every day. I'm at the driving range on the weekends. We playing money games with my boys, traveling to different courses in the city and stuff like that. In the winter, I'm going to the domes in Chicago, maybe trying to squeak out a vacation or two. But it was just, my life was just all golf from that point on. And, and ever since then, it's just been like, man, how do I get closer to this game? You know, and that, and that's that's ultimately how I got to this podcast, dog. We uh we might have crossed some paths in a dome in Chicago in the uh in well, around 2010 or 20 I don't know how yeah. what year this would have been but I was uh, how old are you? I'm 34. Well, I just okay, turned so 35. My birthday just passed. I'm okay, actually so still in the midst of my birthday. You know, my birthday is an entire it's like month a birthday number so. thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm in the midst of turning 35 right now. So you're two years younger than me. Yeah, around that same age is kind of when you know it started getting. You know, in college, you got so many distractions going on. Golf can't be a priority. You get out of college, you're broke. Like, you got to get your life figured out a little bit. And then a couple years in, it's like, I'm kind of looking for some kind of fulfillment outside of just, like, going to the bar, drinking, and and going to work every day. And these, I, that's when I started to kind of fall back in love with golf uh, again. But I'm curious. You said, you you know, golf didn't really resonate with you when you were young. Why would you say that is? You know, is it have to do with, you know, not having a lot of representation in the game. I remember talking with J.R. Smith about, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of examples of people that looked like me playing golf. And is that a reason why, you know, maybe golf wasn't uh, resonating with you as a kid? I'm curious. A hundred percent, man. I think that, like, to become something, I do think that you have to see it. And, and you got you got rare individuals that could pioneer trajectories based on, you know, not seeing anything. But I do think by and large, if you can't, if I can't identify a pathway to what I deem as success through an undertaking, it's not going to hold my interest. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And yep. so like not being looking at what the PGA tour was then, even though we had Tiger, you know, like I'm, I'm growing up during the, the rise of Tiger, it still wasn't enough to like grab me as a, 
as like a, a, a real means to success as a kid, you know, because there were just so many other working examples in all of these other sports, you know, and that's kind of like the plight that you see with inner city kids, because I mean, they take it beyond sports figures and, you know, they just looking in their neighborhoods and, you know, a lot of times it's people that do illegal activities that appear to be the most successful. And that's why you gravitate towards that as, as a means for survival or whatever the case. And so I, I do think that a, a large part of it is like, I, I didn't see a trajectory that made sense for who I thought I wanted to be in this world. And, it never spoke to me in that way. But I mean, if you gave me a basketball, even even though I wasn't that good, like I would play basketball for hours on end with whoever, wherever. And it was like, because I, I saw what I thought I could be through it. Sure. And so I think that representation is, is a huge part of why it's hard for kids to really take on golf in a, a meaningful way and really allow themselves the room to fall in love with it. You know, some of them even like they, they take it on. It's like they want to be a professional golfer, but they don't really love the game in its entirety. You know, they just love this one part of it. Like, and they think that if they don't make it as a player, they, they haven't made it. But it's like, man, if you really love the sport, it's a whole ecosystem there to support you that, that you could navigate, you know, but they just fall in love with that one little small sliver of it because now, you know, they got Tiger, they got, you know, Cam Champ or, you know, people that look at Harold or people that look at whoever, you know, they got like a few more little blips that they could latch on to, but people aren't really demonstrating what success looks like in the broader golf community, which I think, that 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 kind of needs to change going forward. But also, it, it, we're in a different era now, and I, that's why I was curious to talk to you about it. In you know, I, I listen. I'd love to get to a point in this podcast where when we have a person of color on, we don't ask them about race. That would represent real yeah. progress in, yeah. in diversifying the game. You know, and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I don't. I don't think we're there. But I, I'm curious if you would. A reason why I was so interested to talk with you about it is in this social media era. So, you know, when you were growing up, it was like golf on TV was like how you would you would take it in. Right. And you would have right. Tiger Woods and you would have whatever it would be. But in the social media era, and that's, again, what something that J.R. Smith said, he's like, I just post photos of me playing golf now. So someone, you know, people that are following me can see you know, have that kind of representation in there. I'm not going to be playing golf on TV, but, you know, they can see it on my social media. And now you have a unique outlet. You have a big following of people, I'm sure, of all different backgrounds, but they see you out playing golf and representing the non-pro side of it. And it just kind of is light bulb going off for me in terms of what that representation might mean. It's going to take generations, I think, before it, you know, fully, you know, you talked exactly about how you your path was paved through your father, but you know if that wasn't the case, who we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking right now. Exactly, man. Exactly, and I think that like the 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 things that we have to make people comfortable with is not just representation from a racial perspective, but it's also representation from a cultural perspective, and that that comes down to like style. Uh, you know, fashion style, language that comes down to, you know, the the way that people are able to enjoy the experience. Like there's all of these other different things that, you know, people need to feel that they can be themselves in these spaces. Those are the, the, the things that we need to look at as well. You know, there's these very stuffy golf experiences and, and this kind of culture of golf that's been forced upon us for, for all of these generations that a lot of people just can't resonate with. And if you're putting people in positions where they can't express themselves, it's going to be it's a hard sell to get them to crave those environments. You know what I mean? Like taking a little kid that's used to being wild and crazy and being like, <laughs> 
know, that's the thing. I always like this. Be still. No, no, no. Then it's like all of these things. It's just like, yo, like, are you trying to imprison me right now? What the hell are you doing? You know, like, hey, this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> you know? And so I, I just think that from a cultural perspective, like the, the game of golf needs more representation just experientially. And that's broader than race. You know what I'm saying? So sure. I think that what social media has opened the doors for is, you know, showcasing how different people experience the game and connect with the game. The, the PJ Tour get, did a great job of showing what the top level of the sport looked like, but there's all of these other different factions and layers of it that uh that that we don't talk about enough like my dad it was just it was all about gambling dog like that was this whole thing like they they show up to a course it's a money game if we're not gambling we're not playing there is no golf for fun you know what i mean <laughs> it's like he don't even go to the drive our course didn't even have a driving range so it's like yo when i show up i'm pulling my clubs out the car i'm taking 10 practice wins in the lot and then we gambling you know <laughs> you know and that and that's what golf was. and that whole culture was so dope to me and you know that's why like when I look at it, it's like, man, what we plan for, you know, I, if I if I'm not incentivized in those ways, it's hard for me to lock in. But I, I just think that culturally uh, the game of golf just needs to represent everybody that plays. And, and you know, again, that, that's a much broader discussion than just race. And one of the things that uh, I really want to talk to you about that is, uh, you know, you, you do a lot of different kinds of content. We could talk about that. But the one that's the, that sticks out to me is Range Talk. And it's not just because we share a mutual sponsor in Callaway that I'm saying that. It's <laughs> If I could describe it for those that haven't seen it, and we've plugged it plenty of times on this show, it's like pretty much what it seems like is they put the mics on Roger. They put the mics on a guest. They put some balls out. They set up some cameras, and they let him do his thing. There's no instruction on anything. It's like, hey, ask this person whatever you want to ask them and we're going to keep it and it's going to roll basically uncut and we're going to publish it. That's sure what it seems like. What's it like recording some of these? I'm saying it's just like that, dog. Yep. You know, because a lot of the people like, you know, I'm, I've been fortunate enough, uh, fortunate enough. So everybody that I've had on range talk, I'm a fan of, you know what I mean? And so I, I already have these, these intimate conversations that I've either had with them or I got a bunch of questions that I've always wanted to ask them already. And then when you get into these environments and you start feeling people's energy and understanding their level of comfort discussing things, it's just the conversations flow so seamlessly. And, I, you know, I've just been blessed with everybody that's come on the show being willing to engage with me and be transparent with me and open up to me in certain ways. You know, they all come on there and treat me like we homies and, and we've been homies for a while. And the dope part about that is after we leave that we we like our relationship actually grows in like a very meaningful way, which is crazy, man. Like we started that show off with Steph Curry last year. And I'm like, yo, bro, when, when Steph pulled up, we did this at Stanford practice facility. And when Steph pulled up, I, bro, I was so nervous. Me and Steph, I'm a grown ass man, just nervous to me, Steph. I see him across the driving range, and then somebody says, Steph here. I see him, bro, spill coffee all over my shirt, dog. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? That is crazy. But then Steph woke up, and he like, Raj, man, I'm so excited about this. Man, I've been following you for a minute, man. He showed me these videos, or he was, like, making fun of my swing, and he never sent it to me or whatever. You know what I mean? And it was just like, man, you know, this game of golf is so crazy, and it's, you know, the the degrees of separation just get reduced so much through this sport. and and it's been an amazing opportunity just connect to connect with dope people and, and show how relatable the game of golf is to the elites, to people that are just, you know, amateurs, recreational players. Like we all get so close through this game. 
It's so funny. I got literally in my questions here. Is, do you get nervous before the red light goes on before you ha- interview somebody like Steph Curry? That's literally one of my questions I had. Oh, Steph, you had hey, Steph had, hey, Steph had me shook, dog. He, he, hey, and it was just because he snuck up on me because, you know, you kind of pacing around. Like, yeah. I'm over there practicing how I'm about to shake bro hand. Like, all right, I'm going to go like this. <laughs> Lean in, touch the back. I'm gonna touch the back because that's the turn. That's endearment right there. But I ain't gonna act like I know him too much. And then bro just kind of popped up out of nowhere. I'm like, oh shit, oh damn. <laughs> like man, it's like he wasn't supposed to be here for another ten minutes, dog. What you doing? You know. So it was, but yeah, he he won. He wanted to have me shook up a little bit. But for the rest of them, they all be pretty cool, man. You know. Well, I was gonna say like you know not to just not to toot your horn too hardly here, but. It, you know, it, it takes special talent to bring out what you're able to bring out of these guys. Like I saw facial expressions from Xander I've never seen before. Like you, he's not like fake T laughing, fake TV laughing for you. Like they're really legitimate yeah. laughs. It has you have a way of like you know talking to some of the people that work on your production staff too. Just have a way of like getting through to people and getting. And the word I always come back to with a lot of your stuff, not just because you have a series called Real Talk, is like it just feels real, right? It just feels like you're being yourself at every opportunity and uh and it's got it's got to be something that you know I don't feel like you're playing a character when you are online but you got you had to find a way I'm sure to you know fit your personality into a way that made interesting content what's what's kind of your your thought process and how did you go about doing that well I think that like the the first hurdle was getting over the fact that I do belong in this sport as as I am you know what I mean mm-hmm. and and the thing that helped me was like I'm a decent golfer. You know what I mean? I, I love and respect this game. I play it at a good enough level. Like, you know, if, if you, you know, I'm I'm a scratch golfer at times, but to be, to play the game at that level as, as an amateur, like I'm in a upper percentile of people that have ever tried to play this game, right? For like sure. if you look at average indexes or whatever the case. So like I belong in this sport just off the just just off the sport alone so i shouldn't have to really deviate as a person too far from who i am if i love this sport you know i shouldn't really have to be a shell of myself if i if i'm proficient at this sport i should be i should be accepted as i am and but i think a lot of people are just not comfortable being themselves in golf and so that's where a lot of the disconnect comes and that's why even you know some of the stuff that i see from a talent side or like from a you know, from an influencer side or media personality side, it's like, man, they so much doper off camera than they are on it sometimes because they feel like they need to be this person when the lights come on. And it's like, bro, the person that you are, when we just sitting over there chilling, talking, eating lunch, that's that's gold right there. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I just had to accept the fact that who I am, like I belong in this sport, you know? And so at that juncture, it's, it's kind of up to the people that I engage with to decide, like, do you like me for me or do you not like me? You know, but I shouldn't really have to pivot and, and deviate from who I am to make you like me. And at the same time, I would never want to make you feel that you have to deviate from who you are to, you know, for me to be accepting of you either. And so I guess once I let go of, you know, some of the, you know, just the the fear of being authentic. That's when I started to see all of the embrace from the sport. And that's kind of like my message for everybody is continue to be authentic. I mean, even though as cliche as that sounds, like if you really love this game, be yourself because the differences that you bring to this sport is really what the sport needs. You know, they don't need another my cookie cutter person in, in golf. And I think that, you know, just 
just coming to that realization and and being, you know, like very bold in who I am and, and also asking myself over and over again, am I being truthful with who I am in these moments and checking myself when I see myself deviating too far away from that. That's that's something that I've really leaned into to to navigate a lot of these spaces that I've been put in. But it's like nobody could take away the fact that I love this game and, and that I belong in this game. Uh, whether that's like on camera as a personality or otherwise, but like I like I I know that I I there's room for me in this sport, and I'm just gonna spend time around people that want a person like me around it, you know. Well, did it take you time to be comfortable enough to to say that that I belong in this game, right? I think we all have gone through that. It took me years for me to you know if I'm walking inside the ropes at a tournament, I'm like I sh- I shouldn't be here. Like they're gonna kick me out any second. Like. I should not, I'm just some accountant from, you know, blah, blah, blah. I should not be doing this. And then it took a couple of years. And now it's like, no, no. All right. You know what? I feel comfortable in this role. And I, you know, I am a part of this scene and I, I'm going to continue to be that. Did it take you a period of time to feel like, yeah, I do belong. And I do feel comfortable in this role. I mean, it, it, it's, it goes in waves, right? And yeah. over the last couple of years, I, I've been presented with so many different opportunities and, and partnerships and things like that. And you, you always had these questions. If you're being humble and you're being real with yourself, you're like, yo, do I do I deserve this? You know what I mean? Am I, am I worth this? Am, am I adding enough value to make this a sustainable opportunity? Did they make a mistake in, in bringing me here? And the thing that I, you know, always go back to is like, look, man, we dealing with some, some big ass businesses that are cutting these checks. And like, they got a lot of people that approve these decisions and have very tough conversations behind closed doors before they extend any opportunity to either one of us. And so like, if they gave you the opportunity to be in that space, you deserve it because there's a lot of people, something, it might be one person that stepped up and vouched for you in a major way, but a lot of people signed off on that. And so you're, you're deserving of everything that you get, you know, and that's just a conversation that I have to have with myself often. Um, because it, a lot of the stuff, man, it do kind of psych you out because you you always feeling like, I'm sure you are, you always feeling like you're in rare air. Like this is such a departure from any lifestyle that I could ever imagine. You know what I mean? The things that I'm seeing on a daily basis and stuff, I like, like I hadn't even, I hadn't even heard about Cypress, bro, until three years ago. Like, which is crazy. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about? Like, oh, some real sure. stuff, like, I know about Pebble Beach, but like, I, I hadn't even heard of it. And then you start to read about the history of it. And, you know, I got this book, The Match, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy, dog. Like, what? You know what I mean? And it's and so every space you go into is like it's brand new. And you you constantly have to ask yourself, like, man, do I do I am I worth this? And I just always find reasons to tell myself yes in those moments. And then the more moments that I have where I tell myself, yes, I deserve this, the, the more confidence builds. And it's just like a snowball effect, you know? But I still, but that's the, that's something I work on daily, and I, I feel like that's yeah. something that people gonna have to battle with daily in whatever pursuit, because progress is just uncomfortable as shit, dog. It's like, mm-hmm. man, it, it's crazy, but it's, it's so worth it once you accept it and just be yourself and enjoy it, because they a lot of people said yes to you for you to be there. Well, it's interesting too. It's probably pretty easy for you to figure out, like uh, you know, some people might want to involve you in some way, and. They either like you get it or you don't like the, the person you're working with either gets it like I'm bringing in Roger to do this. Right. Or some people can bring you in and like try to teach you or guide you into how to perform and performing right. is hard. Like being yourself is not difficult. Like it just trusting your gut, saying whatever you're thinking is super easy. But like when you're doing an impression of someone else or you think you should be doing an impression of someone else, 
that's challenging. That's when you get burned out. That's when this stuff gets really, uh, really difficult. So that's what I'm sure a challenge you faced and will continue to face is, you know, meeting new people, doing all kinds of different things, trying what you're good at, trying what you're not. You know, we've all done some of that. Some things we've done once and are like, you know what, I'm good. I don't need to do that again. But like, I mean, you were doing live, uh, live coverage with CBS this year at the PGA Bro. Championship. What was that experience like? Bro, I was just about to, I was just about to bring that up. If you didn't, dog. <laughs> just talk about talking about doing something once that's crazy dog and this is I, I think that at the end of the day it went pretty well but the experience of it was insane dog and just you know it, it's moving so fast paced obviously I come from this social media background everything is scripted we get takes you know it's it's not really that much pressure to do what I do um the, the worst thing that happened is somebody behind the camera be like all right come on man get it like come on, come tighten on. this up you know what i mean i'm like all right all right I'm, I'm coming i'm coming all right all right but uh but man the, the the first day that we were about to go live we had this pre-production meeting that i thought was extremely rushed based on you know my comfort with the entire situation they're like all right Raj, like we got a two-hour segment on the range uh you gonna take this section this section this section uh Hallie gonna come in and do this 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 and we're gonna do this one piece here and we prepared a little box for you with some text that we want you to kind of get comfortable with blah 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 and all of this stuff is happening so fast dog like this this block of text that they gave me it's like I couldn't really make it make sense to me you know what I mean like I was trying to take the words and and fit them in that's to your point about performing I was like man how do I make this sound like myself but at the same time, while I'm thinking about that, they putting a little headpiece in. We testing the mics out. People calling you, pulling you over. This, this, this is how you got to do this. Whatever the case, and man, we got ready to do a live rehearsal. And uh, I'm sure by now you could tell. I could probably talk, I could talk to a brick wall, dog. You know, <laughs> like, I'm never short of words. But we got to this live rehearsal, dog, and I could not make English words come out of my mouth. Really? Like they were like, Roger, all right, three, two, one, go. And I was like, ah, it's good. <clears throat> But I just, I mean, just making it, it sound like I was trying to beatbox a little bit, dog. Like it was just the craziest thing. And then this is my very first time that all the producers listening, they're like, Roger, you know, this is live, right? Like, you know, that you, like, you literally cannot do this on air. And man, we out at the PJ Championship, bro. It's 100 degrees out there. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm sweating, bro. Just, I'm like, man, this is crazy. And then I was, you know, working with Hallie and she was like, uh, She's like, Raj, you know, anything that you can't figure out, like, you know, I'm going to be on camera with you. I'll fill in the blanks. Just listen to me. Like, if you can't make out what they're saying in the headset, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you, thank you. And so, uh, but we we get rolling. And so right before we actually go live, I just had a conversation with myself. I was like, man, if I mess this up, it's kind of like a make or break point I felt for my trajectory. Because if I demonstrate that I can't handle this type of pressure, then that, impacts what types of opportunities I might get seated into in the future and like what types of conversations I'll be a part of you know my boy Gideon gonna be looking at me like hey man like all right we can't put him in that space no more my boy can't swim <laughs> he he can't swim in deep water you know what I mean he got like he, he a shallow end type guy you know what I mean and so I, I'm thinking I'm thinking to myself like man all these things about negative outcomes that's gonna you know and then the, the thing that calmed me down was like, Roger, they brought you here to be yourself, dog. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the only reason that they brought you here. And I'm confident that if you do your best, you know, whatever happens from this, if you if you completely fuck it up, 
you're going to be able, if you care about it enough, you'll figure out a way to put yourself in this position again and prove yourself all over again. And if it goes well, then, you know, you will just demonstrate to yourself that you actually can handle these types of environments or whatever the case. And I just gave myself grace. Like, yo, this is your first time doing something. Just be yourself and see what happens, dog. Try yourself. Try your best. Be yourself and see what happens. And by tapping into remembering to be myself and not perform or sound like who I thought I needed to sound like to make that work, I just doubled down on being me and everything went fine. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of like this recommitment to yourself all over again every time you get a new opportunity or just whenever you need it. Like, I'm sure with, with all of the stuff that you do, dog, like, I know you just start to experience these little subtle changes and, like, man, I'm, I'm drifting a little bit and, like, do I like this about myself? Do I like how I'm doing this? Do I like how I'm saying that? Like, is that me? Is, is I'm, Am I riding a trend? Am I doing this? And it's like, you, you really have to be you know, intentional about recentering yourself and and, and rem- reminding yourself the essence of who you are as you navigate this world, man, because it, it will turn you into a weird-ass person if you let it. Well, it's interesting, uh, before uh, this, the, about as big a name drop as you're going to get, but but we got to interview Tiger before the match like four years ago. It was going to be a quick interview. It was kind of an uncomfortable, like, interview setting. We got like 10 minutes with him, whatever it was, and I'm getting ready to interview him, and I'm I'm pretty nervous. I mean, like, come on, like you can understand. Goat, Most bro. people can understand that. And DJ, our our guy, was out there, and he was getting ready to film it and all that. And he like kind of got a little sense that I was getting nervous. And uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like, not to make this way worse, but like the only way you can screw this up is by being like too nervous. And I was like, okay, that's that's a that's a weird thing to say, right? But he followed it with something like. Like, like you shouldn't be like you you're they you know you got you, there's a reason why you're sitting in that seat like you're good at this you know how to do this like be right. a normal human be a normal human to him be yourself and like don't be a nervous ball of energy and like you know kind of react to what he's saying kind of give him shit if you need to and like that's what's gonna make it fun and that like totally freed me up it like totally just took me out of what I was at and it kind of is like uh, I I think about that moment a lot too when I'm like faced with a really nerve wracking golf shot of some kind. It's Bro. like, dude, why why be nervous? Like, embrace this opportunity you have to go to go try to do something great. Don't try to not screw it up. Go try to do something great. And it I, I think about that with uh, any kind of pressure situation I get put in. And gosh, does it help, man? It really does. Bro, you, you like we was at Cypress today. We played with my boy. Uh, his name DJ Two, by the way. But we on the first tee, and I done played with DJ probably like you know five or six times. And uh, I know like he's just a very relaxed and laid back golfer. Like don't really take too long to do much. You know, tee his ball up. You take a quick practice when he bump it. But for some reason, first tee at Cypress. Now he acting like he in the Masters. You know what I mean? And I'm like. I'm like, bro, why don't you just do what you did before you got here? It's like, no, nah, Cypress has turned his boy into something else, man. And you know what I mean? It's just like, but you see that over and over again. And when you when you get to these spaces, you really just have to double down on the opportunity it is being yourself. Because that's, you know, that's the whole reason you're there. And if you, you know, commit to that, that's where you're going to usually get the best result. That's my advice to anyone in life. If you ever got to do a public speak or you got to do something you're uncomfortable with, right? It's just like, go try to achieve, go try to, you know, go out, ball out and get it instead of like, make it's, it's hard to tell somebody not to be nervous or whatnot, but yeah. uh, you can apply it in a lot of different ways. But the other thing, the other thing is if you suck, like, so what dog? Like, yeah. I mean, people see people suck all the time and it's just like, if you suck, it's like, yo. And if, if you, and if you care enough about the fact that you do suck, then after that experience, you'll go make sure that it don't happen again. Or you make sure that the next time you get an opportunity is better than the last. You know what I mean? But like, 
failure in and of itself like people are so afraid of it and it's like yo go try your best and if you suck when you try your best then it's probably some things that you could be doing a little bit more efficiently and, and you know go out there and seek that counseling and make those changes it's probably a cheesy motivational poster somewhere but i, I do love the phrase like the only failure would be to not learn right like if you fail it's kind of like okay you, you should be just learning something from that and i I both hate and love that phrase. It's cheesy as hell, but it does uh, it does apply. But bro, cliches are cliches for a reason, bro. Yeah. Speaking of uh, saying you suck, you have a great video that went uh, that went pretty viral. Of uh, it kind of take us through. It's one of your real talk videos where you're kind of explaining, uh, or I guess have you explained this video, the eight minute video that went all around the golf world, where you're basically sending a message to newcomers to golf, like you're you got you're gonna suck for a long time. Bro, yeah, that was uh that that was the one that kicked it off actually, dog. Yeah. Like and this is this is during COVID. Before this, I had a, a media company, a small media business. I still have it, but I was just doing content for small businesses, some athletes. I would do like some off-season content for them. And you know, just just a lot of digital content creation for brands and stuff. And so when COVID happened, I lost all my business. And so I'm sitting around, you know, I got my equipment, I got my little studio set up at at the crib and and I'm just like, man, you know, but obviously there's no work, but I'm playing a bunch of golf and I'm posting about golf more, you know, and a lot of my friends start to ask me like, man, you know, I want to play golf. Like, take me to the golf course with you. Take me to the golf course with you. And I'm like, I'm telling these people over and over again, like, bro, you're not ready for the golf course, dog. Like, that's not that's not the first step. I promise you that's not the first step. Well, well tell me what's up. And so then it finally got to the point where one day I was like, you know what, dog, I'm going to make a like a, a intro to golf for dummies type video and just... I turned on my camera and I just let it run. And I was like, you know, I wrote down my outline. These are the things that I want to tell people. But when I got to that part and I was just telling people like, look, I don't care what you think you did in high school. You know, I don't care you basketball, all-star, football, all of that. I don't care what you did. When you come to golf, bro, you're going to suck for a long ass time. You're going to suck so long that you're going to ever wonder if it's going to stop. And, you know, it's, but that's where you need to get to actually submit to this game so you can actually start to grow through the game. You know what I mean? And I think that like there's so much optimism out there in the in in the internet land, dog. Like it's so many people feeding all of these optimism. You can do it. You can do anything you set your mind to. You're gonna be great. I'm like, no, nah, dog, you're gonna be trash. Like you, you gotta hear be- it real for it. <laughs> yeah, you need to hear the reaction. Just a bro, little bit. Trash. Like, I'm like, man, I got homies that's been playing for 25 years and they still trash, dog. Like, it's like sometimes the trash never let up, but you got to be willing to go on that journey. But please don't come into this game thinking it's about to click. Like, there, there is no love at first sight with golf, bro. Like, it just, it just don't, there, there's no quick happily ever afters with this game. And, uh, and bro, I think that I made this video and it was very raw because I only had like 3,000 followers at the time. I think I might have cursed like 70 times, dog. And for somebody that was trying to get, I can't even say that I was actively trying to get into the golf space at the time, but I definitely thought that that video would be like more career suicide than like something that propelled me forward. You know what <laughs> I mean? And so the response to it was so crazy. Like golf.com posted the video on their social and Ashley Mayo deleted every curse word out of it. And she sent me the list like, oh, just in case you were wondering, here are the timestamps for all your curse words that we bleeped. And I was like, oh, okay. Sorry about that, I think. Did you like it? It's like, oh, no, we loved it. It was fine. So right then, that was like a real big moment for me because I felt like golf was open to different types of voices speaking on the sport. And that that empowered me a lot, bro. Like, 
people being receptive to the way I delivered that message and because it, it needed to be said regardless, you know what I mean? But, but people being receptive to how that was delivered and how raw and kind of rough that was delivered. I, I mean, I just want to talk to people on social media like I'm talking to my homies. Right. That kind of carved out a whole reign for me in and of itself. What is, you know, for people that still like aren't familiar, what, uh, what is, are you a solo operation? Uh, is it just you as your company? Do you have an LLC? Is it just you filming everything? Just you editing your content? How does, how does your content workflow go? I got a, a small team with me, man. Okay. But I mean, we, we very small though, you know? So I got like a, a, a brand strategist and I got, you know, full time, uh, you know, shooter editor on my side. And I've gotcha. always had like some sort of, variation of that but i think in the early days i mean obviously during covid like a lot of that was just just me you know um and a lot of the like if, if i've ever done like a really dope high level edit or something i'll probably take on the bulk of it but i definitely try to surround myself with you know talented creatives that i have a passion at least for what i'm doing or they're curious about it at least you know what i mean so but it, it still takes very, a village man that's what I, I watch. Like, a, you know, you, you post an eight minute video to Instagram or something like that. It doesn't take eight minutes to do. Like, it takes. Hell like, bro. <laughs> it takes people don't. A lot of people don't understand what goes into all that. I see some videos pop up. I'm like, damn, what's their budget for this? I know how much it costs to put all this together. And I know how much time it takes. You export it. You got to round of notes. The audio's messed up on this version. You got to re-edit. You got to re-export it. You got to do all this stuff that is a huge barrier to entry. But one thing I would tell people though about jumping into the to the content space is like you have to find a way to express yourself that's authentic to your brand. So like I thought that a lot of the the ways that I wanted to express myself, the the style that I shot it fitted. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, I know I wanna like wear some some I wanna have an apparel focus. So I like the clean background because it allowed certain things that I had on to pop a little bit more. You know what I mean? And so yeah. everything was very thoughtful about it. And it was like, okay, I know because I'm going to be talking this long, like the audio quality got to be like a bit more elevated than just, you know, a shotgun mic or something like that, you know? And, and you know, it's, it's just like things, but but that's not to say that the only way to do that is to have an elevated production approach. Like, you know, it's really about finding a content style and a visual style that fits your messaging. And, I've, and you know, I'm sure that we've all, we've all seen so many different, you know, combinations of content style messaging, you know, find success in this space. But I just think if, if people would just be intentional about how they wanted to visually represent themselves and, and kind of be thoughtful about it, it's, it's, pro it's a lot easier than they, than they think once they actually find out the, the best combination of tools to use for that. Well, one of the first things that, uh, that, that put you on our, on my radar and on our radar, I think was uh, one of the videos again, Awesome white backdrop. You got the dramatic lighting. You got a, uh, you know, you're sipping on some whiskey, and yes, I, there was a beef between you guys or something to explain this between you and the East Side Boys, and you did a whole video addressing it. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Is that is oh, that a kosher, yeah. were, a kosher oh, yeah. question to ask that. about? We remember that. I mean, I'll answer it because you brought it up. Like I'm not trying. You know what I mean? I'm not. <laughs> it was it was just a misunderstanding that we had, and this, you know. I kind of opened myself up to scrutiny because there's a lot of people that say that I handled that situation wrong, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to everybody's opinion of it. Right. But like at the end of the day, let's say me and you do this podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. And then let's say, you know, we don't talk for the next couple months. And then one day you get a, a DM from me that I sent to you on accident. And let's say, you know, you and your significant other posted a picture of yourselves. And I said, damn, 
you know, he corny and shit, and his girlfriend a little ugly too when you look at her. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so now you get this, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. And this, this is good. Not a wife, you know. I know you, you, you know, you probably married, but uh, but like, you know, I, I got that message, and I'm like, damn. First, it was kind of shocking because I didn't think that we was on them kind of terms. You know, I thought that it was all amicable, like we doing different things, but things all kosher. You know what I'm saying? And then, so I respond back to it, and I'm like, bro, what you just say? You know? And so I saw that he had read the message. But he like he was acting like I didn't exist, and I'm like I'm sitting there looking at my phone, bro. Like say something, dog. Like you know, let's let's get to the bottom of this. And I guess it's like two ways that you can handle that. It's either you can, you know, fess up and say like, hey man, like I know, like I I think you corny, bro. Like I think that a lot of the stuff you do is weird, and you know I'm sorry I said that about your girl, but she's not my type. You know what I mean? Like he could hey, he could have he could have went there with it and kept it on some 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 player shit. And I would have been like. Huh. You know what I mean? I guess I kind of, but just like, let's have a dialogue, you know, or you could say, I'm sorry, I was hating. We need to have a conversation offline because, you know, I think that some things kind of get misunderstood between us. You know, it's like, it could have went one or two ways, but both of those approaches for me took dialogue. And so the fact that the dude wouldn't respond, and then it was like four or five days that had passed. And I had tried to like nudge him in different types of ways because I'm kind of petty sometimes. Like I was tagging him and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, does your phone work? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, and finally, it got to the point where I was just like, you know what? Normally, I'm going around looking for content to talk about, but this like just fell in my lap. And it's kind of this, it's this is like a, a a very common type of situation that we find industry wide, culture wide, where people just don't like each other. And what does healthy conflict resolution look like at that juncture? And so then I make this video. And I kind of like exposed the whole thing, dog. And because uh, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I just felt like, I guess a part of us playing golf is that if we see somebody doing something wrong, like, and we see it, we got an obligation to protect the field, right? And it's like, if I see somebody cheating, if I see somebody, you know, doing something shady, messing up the golf course, whatever the case, like, I got a responsibility to like, make sure that people know that people like this do these types of things so that they can make their own decisions about if they want to play with them. And so I thought what I was doing was kind of like protecting the urban golf landscape a little bit, you know, by saying this is an experience I had and this is how it was resolved or how it wasn't resolved. And, um, and I exposed the whole thing, but my overarching message was that like, yo, especially as far as black golf goes, like it's, it's not a whole lot of, us in the game like we don't need to be beefing over you know petty stuff like that and you know like it's room for us all too and like man we should all be figuring out ways that we could collaborate versus you know kind of talking down on each other and you know at least if we're gonna talk down on each other at least let's step up and own it like you know what i mean let's you know let's be men about it and so we we had that that situation but yeah that was probably probably the most viral piece of content that i made and i don't think that that was like a diss to them you know, even though they were kind of like the, the subject matter, but I think that it just signified that that's a, a issue that we all need to discuss more. It's like, what does healthy com- uh, conflict resolution look like between men and between black men? You know what I mean? It's a lot of conversations like that in Chicago. Like if, if somebody said that to the wrong person, like that person showing up at your crib and now it's like a bigger issue or they see you out in public and then it's a different type of issue. You know what I mean? And it's like, man, but like, okay, well, 
I'm willing to resolve it this way. And, and then we made this corny design and we sold a bunch of the man, we raised a bunch of money for charity dog. And I'm like, man, I'm looking at this like a big ass win, you know, in my book, I'm yeah. like, yo, this is like, we taught a bunch of people, a bunch of stuff. Hopefully they felt like some sort of remorse for how all of this played out and the inaction that they took or whatever. Kids got money. Like it was like, oh man, it's like happy ending. But a lot of people been like, nah, nah, you shouldn't. <laughs> well, it goes back to you. You were like, you were being you, you know, that's kind of what, and that's where like a hard, a hard thing also is, you know, you might get a piece of feedback or something that's negative, but like, and there like might be some truth to it sometimes that, you know, yeah. if, that, if it, you have to, as a content creator, you got to be comfortable saying like, Hey, that's how that person feels. But also, you know what? Like, here's my target audience, right? Here's what I'm trying to reach. I'm going to keep being me. Like, I'm not trying to reach everybody. I guarantee there's people that listen to this show. They're like, you know what? That's not for me. And that's totally fine. That couldn't be more right. fine. I go through the same thing with some other, you know, creators in all kinds of aspects of like, Hey, instead of like wanting to jump all over them and diss them and make fun of them, I can just also be like, there's other things I can do with my time. I'm going to move on, right? It's just not right. for me. They they're speaking to a different group of people than than I'm speaking to, and let them kind of do their thing. And it's it's taken a little while to get there. Some at times, you know, it uh, it's not always e as easy as that as well. Yeah, yeah. And so I just you know them them dudes, man. Just you know they they doing amazing things in the in the landscape. I saw them recently too, man. You know, and I I don't think that you know. I think that, that that message still landed in the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know what I mean? So, but I mean, but they, they doing some dope stuff in the world, dog. So I, I still wish them a lot of continued success and, and stuff like that. And I hope that that situation in particular is something that, that we all grew from. Because, you know, everybody got, everybody entitled to their own opinions, dog. But it's just like, when you got opinions and people find out about your opinions, you got to, you got to man up a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, but so that, that, that again, when I saw that video, I was like, okay, this dude's doing something different, right? And it wasn't it wasn't filled with hate either. It was just like, you know, it was an open and honest conversation about it. And we've I have been on the receiving end of DMs that were about us or about me that were meant for someone else and accidentally – we've all done it before too, but I've had that happen before too. So we may need to film a video with you to get back at some people that have uh, tried to talk shit. But, like, then, but see, look, see, look, but you never you never exposed them, right? You kept it close to the chest. You was just like, oh, okay. You yeah. Know, and it looked like your life is turning out pretty good, so maybe that's something that I should – I should. No, no, I should no, no. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be you this. being you. That wouldn't be you being you. That doesn't work that way. One thing I wanted to mention, I meant to bring this up, we were talking range talk, was just like – uh, the one, the one I watched the one with you and your dad, and that one made me honestly just like a little bit emotional. Like when I watch, I uh, watch that. I see someone that I feel like has found fulfillment in what they do and has found genuine happiness, right? And that's something that's really, really hard to fake, I think. And uh, I don't know to see you and your dad talk about that stuff on camera again. Just I keep going back to it, it's very real, and I know it's a a lot of work and pursuit to get there, but uh, there's something to chasing a passion, and it, it kind of speaks to a lot of things you've been bringing up of what brought you back to golf in a way that, you know, and learn about Cyprus and learn about all these places. It just speaks to, uh, I saw a lot of like what I love about golf. You know, we have probably had two very different routes to, to be in on this, uh, on this recording together right now, but a lot of the same reasons and things we loved about golf are, are what has brought us together. I don't have a question related to that other than like, that was really cool that you have a, a whole video there with your dad kind of, uh, talking about all that stuff. Yeah. That, it, you know, me and my dad, we went through obviously being an only child, and a, and a son at that, you know, my dad wants me to do better than he did, right? Like, because it's really like, I think the father-son relationship, when you are raised as an only child, that father feels a lot more pressure to make a better man, 
than he, you know, than, than he was. And especially being in a city like Chicago, he's, you know, very acutely aware of all of the threats and the things that will come in between you being successful or, or living a, a happy and fulfilling life. And my dad made a lot of tough choices with regards to how he wanted to spend time and spend money. Like him choosing to introduce me to the game of golf, like he knew how expensive that was. You know what I mean? And and for me to go so long not appreciating his effort, like, you know, in grade school, through high school, you know, my dad trying to incentivize me, like, yo, I'm going to get you this this club. Or like, you know what I mean? I, he was just trying so hard to make me love this game. And I, I was just so unappreciative of it for so long, you know? And then to kind of all this time to pass and, and to come back and, and that same game that he was trying to force on me and, and really give me the love is the thing that's, you know, opening up all of these opportunities that are way bigger and transcend the sport. It's just a, a crazy 360 type thing, man. Like for all of that to come full circle in that way. Uh, because, you know, my when, when I when I quit golf and I went to school and, I you know, I've always been pretty intelligent and, you know, I was going to be a civil engineer. My dad was like, OK, well, at least, you know, he going to be s smart and there's going to be a lot of job security there. And, you know, he going to be able to, you know, get our family trending in the right direction. You know what I mean? As far as like our police officer made an engineer, maybe his my son or daughter or someone be a doctor or whatever the case. You know what I mean? It's like we moving in the right direction. And then, you know, the, for me to say like, oh yeah, dad, I'm about to quit engineering for reasons that I couldn't really explain. You know what I mean? I was just like, I hate engineering, but I, but I do like this golf thing. You know, that hurt him a lot too, you know, because he like, man, you know, like, man, are you, you know, like your, your financial stability, you know, it's, it's hard out here to not have no money and all of these other things. And, you know, for him to sit back and kind of, I, I really just squander all my savings over the, from like 20, 15 to 2017, bro, I, I like, I spent all of my money, like all of my little baby retirement accounts that I was starting to set up being a responsible adult, my savings accounts. Like I, bro, I had nothing just trying to figure out like, yo, what, what the hell do I want to do with my life? And I know a lot of that broke my dad's heart. You know what I mean? Just to be like, man, like I, I tried to, you know, instill all of these things in you. Um, and and to to finally be at a place where it's like, damn, dad, like, you know, together, me and you, we figured this whole thing out, you know, like this, like my life is a, is a joint effort uh, of us two. And for us to sit back and, and reap the benefits of that in, in, in certain ways is, it's crazy, man. And, you know, it make me emotional talking about that. But, you know, I just, man, I just, I, I try to tell my dad, thank you as much as I can for, for spending that time having the foresight and taking the chances to make sure that I had the opportunity to see the things that I had opportunities to see. Love it. I think no better place to, uh, to wrap this than right there. That was, that was fantastic. And we, uh, we greatly appreciate you coming on, finally doing some content together. I, every time I run into you, I say, we got to do something together and we haven't gotten worked out, but next up, we got to tackle some video, uh, in the next couple, couple years or something like Come that. On, we baby, go on take, hey, something. take me out somewhere, man. Come take on. Me, don't you just played Cypress today. You take me out somewhere. You, you, you you're doing baby. better than I am on getting to golf courses these days. Bro, this is just a random act of God that I just happened to be in this city at this time and this opportunity opened up, dog. Like, it's just, 
this this can't be the standard by which you judge me and my access to the world. <laughs> well, we'll definitely make it happen, Roger. We'll help you. Uh, we'll have you back on the pod in, in the future. We need to bring we need to bring you to live shows for majors and stuff like that uh, whenever it fits your schedule. So let's make it happen. So I'm we'll holding have, you to uh, that, dog. Hey, bro. Okay. You know, hey, if you go bad on me, I make a video about you. <laughs> I'm saying I'm still that guy. I'm still that guy. That is it. Full circle, Roger. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. We'll see you again soon, bud. Thanks. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.